OTB Sports Rugby. 1-15 to everyone's got a role to play in terms of breaking down the opposition, but it's an enjoyable attack to, to be involved in because we all like to play rugby and get our hands on the ball and stuff like that. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. The News Round on Off The Ball with Gillette. Start your day in flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. This is News Talk. All right, you're welcome along. It is Thursday's Off The Ball. Nathan with you until 10 o'clock. We've got a busy one ahead. The Republic of Ireland manager Stephen Kenny is going to join us from half past seven to talk Evan Ferguson. He will give us the exclusive, no doubt, as to whether Evan Ferguson will start or not against France in just over three weeks' time. I think it's fair to say Evan Ferguson is going to start that game if he can stay fit. Uh, so chatting to Stephen Kenny about that, he was over at the World Cup uh, watching France and the Netherlands. He's going to give us some thoughts on what he's seen and uh, some of the different styles of coaching he's been looking at over there and also obviously talking about uh, this year, the A qualification games and the pressure that he is under heading into these qualifiers. So that's coming your way at half past seven. That means John Giles is going to be on the football show and the full football show. He's in Dublin. So he was in studio earlier today. What a treat it is. Only proper order, Nathan. They give him the full hour. You're in the John Giles seat now. I am, yeah. We, uh, no pressure. We gave John the uh, the full football show. Uh, we're also going to talk to Shabana Hearn because the WSL is back this weekend and the Conti Cup final, which is the League Cup final, is Arsenal against Chelsea. So Katie McCabe should be playing in that on Sunday. And after 8 o'clock, we're going to talk Ulster football. I was tempted to do an accent there, but for some reason I just, I just left it. I thought uh, you were about to go, Tyrone in crisis. Tyrone in crisis. Uh, we'll also chat a little bit about Derry and Armagh and Donegal in crisis. I saw one of the most bizarre takes on Tyrone earlier today. Go on. Which was the idea that now they need Mickey Hart and that winning the All-Ireland papered over Mickey Hart leaving. You know what? I would I listened I to would four to years. paper over some cracks and win an All-Ireland. Yeah, and I, waited for, I listened for at least four years when people were saying that Tyrone were actually being held back by late stage Mickey Hart. And wasn't the fact they won the All-Ireland then used as a, uh, it was definitely the right decision to let him go this team have now gone up and lifted Sam. Yeah, it's not a particularly good take. Whose no. take was it? I think it was, it could have been sports, Joe. I definitely saw it at some point during the day. He's, he's gone oh, there. There you go. Yeah. He's gone there. He's gone there. No, but I, I did, there were some people who were almost agreeing with it going, hey, maybe actually Tyrone needed a harder transition. You don't need a hard transition. You try and win, win your own Ireland. Ireland. Win your yeah. own Ireland and pick up the pieces afterwards. Indeed. Uh, so John Giles, uh, Richie, uh, was in studio earlier and uh, gave us a very, um, well, we sort of went off on a, a little bit of a tangent at the start for a, slight a good half tangent. an hour of, um, you know, John starting to reflect on his career and his son bringing up videos of games in the 60s and talking about life as a footballer. Uh, spoke about his afternoon nap when he was a player, which oh. you know, professional footballers will tell you about is is a bit more of a strain than it, it sounds because at three o'clock in the afternoon the best thing for your body is to have a sleep whether you like it or not. But he would go to bed and he would think about the match he had just played on Saturday. He would visualise everything that happened. He would think about it, the little bit of miscontrol, how his body was shaped. And right. he would get into the mindset of, you know what, when I'm out on the pitch again, I know what I'm going to do. So he would sit there dreaming, not even dreaming, in that sort of half meditative state, meditative state, thinking about the game that had just happened. And that's what made him the player he was. Other players were just going straight to sleep. Concerns of visualization. Like visualization is something that, you know, modern sports psychologists have have encouraged, I think, obviously over the past couple of decades. But it seems like John clearly was at the the forefront of that. But like you only have to look at the way he played and look at clips of John on YouTube. And I'd always encourage people to do that because I don't know, we're getting to the point where there might be a bit of disconnect where people 
wouldn't have an entire appreciation of how good a footballer John was. Uh, to look at the way he played the game and there was a calmness about the way he was able to pass the ball around the pitch that suggested that he had done a lot of work as regards visualisation and what he'd done wrong in previous games and how players moved and how players reacted to certain movements. Um, yeah, it doesn't surprise me in in the least. I don't know. I just wish he almost he'd monetized this back in the day and could have become the, the spokesperson for visualisation. We are going to over the coming weeks and months uh, get some of these old games that John played in and do a classic games club of sorts with John where he sits and watches the games Deadly. Uh, so he had a couple of matches that he was watching against Southampton and Manchester United and they were 6-0 up against Manchester United Leeds and uh, as he admitted himself sort of originally admitted maybe a bit of showboating was going on now this was on oh, air off yeah. air he was telling me and he still claimed that this wasn't you know any of the stuff you'd see in this day and age he was he was doing a Rabona as yeah. they were flicking it around. I've seen some of this. Like, he, he reckoned it wasn't that bad because they had played a game against somebody else who were just 2 or 3 nil up and one of the players had sat on the ball to show how comfortable they were. <laughs> Neymar-esque. Which... I, yeah, I think it was the Southampton game I've seen where they're absolutely taking the mickey out of them. Um, it's like, it, whatever people would have thought about Anthony in that clip from earlier on in the season, what Leeds were up to as an entire team in that game against Southampton would have had the more gammony presenters of this world like absolutely puce with rage with the way they were carrying on on the pitch. Getting paid to have naps and play football, you're basically being paid a fortune to be an adult child. What a life. Yeah. Yes, that is being yeah, a professional yeah. sports person. Stephen Hunt wrote an article in the Sunday Indo, must be four or five years ago at this stage, talking about this and... Um, talking about you know GEA players saying that they're practically professional and he was going into the mundaneness of actually being a professional and not being able to do anything and not being able to go out ever and having to go home at 2 o'clock in the afternoon and have a nap and the best thing for your career to be to just lie on the couch. It sounded terrible. It, it came across, I remember at the time he was getting a lot of stick that it was a real dig at GEA players where actually it was just oh. a, being a proper professional sometimes means doing nothing. Did you read John Kiley's um, interview today in the Irish Examiner? No. So they're going to Portugal, the Limerick Hurlers, for yeah. a five-day training camp on the break week in the hurling and he was making the point that they actually get more done in that five days than they do across a few weeks because he was saying that obviously you're very limited with the contact you have with the players, they've got jobs, uh, you need to give them time to recover while if you can do sessions and then actually give them proper rest and recovery, then do your analysis while you're away. And when the pitch is available all the time in a warm weather place, he said professionals, not that they have it any easier, but he's just saying that is the biggest difference between being an amateur and being a professional is you don't have that much contact and you don't have a recovery that can be monitored properly by your backroom team because these guys have just got normal jobs. Uh, Mick says it was Southampton. They won 7-0. Yeah, so there was two games. There was a Southampton game and then there was a Manchester United game that they also yeah. hammered United in. So we're going to watch them back with John and uh, critique his performance. <laughs> yeah, he'll that. critique himself more. <laughs> what than happened you? there, John? Yeah, yeah. Could, be a, could be a could be could be a dangerous position to find myself in. I'd Should be interested be, to see his opinion on some of his teammates, given what he said about a couple of them before. Yeah. So <laughs> um, let's let's find games that they win quite comfortably. Yeah. For, for no goalkeeping our, errors, please. For all our sakes, can't libel the dead, Richie. Just you got to always remember that. <laughs> That's true. Still in all out, not pretty. Uh, the news round is in association with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now. So where are we starting on the news round, Richie? Uh, the Aviva forwards coach Paul O'Connell says Ireland's injury concerns should ease by the time they face Scotland next week. James Lowe, Gary Ringrose, Stuart McCloskey, and Keane Healy all set out the bulk of today's open training session at the Aviva Stadium. O'Connell believes all four 
should be fit for the Six Nations trip to Murrayfield. The forwards coach also says they won't be making any special provisions for one of the world's most informed players in Finn Russell. He's he's an excellent player and um, you know you probably have to accept he might catch you once or twice. Um, that's part and part, part, parcel of the game. I think uh, um, for us, uh, defensively, we've been happy with a lot of the work we've been doing. There's been, for sure, there's been a, a few missed tackles, which is which has frustrated us but by and large um what we've been chasing as a, as a defensive team we've managed to achieve um and it's about continuing on with that next week and not necessarily focusing on on any individual players i think you have to have certain principles in place in terms of how you defend um if you start cramming uh in a week because one particular player is playing uh, i think that leaves you in a bad place and, and we won't be doing that but there's no doubt uh, when we train next week, we'll probably get the opposition out half to, to threaten the line a little bit more um, and play a little bit like uh, Finn Russell does. But we've got to stick to our principles and, and defend as we've been doing. So low ring rose, McCluskey, Healy. Slight concern? It's a lengthy injury list, isn't it? They've been dealing with it throughout the Six Nations, though. Even going back to the uh, two players having to cry out a couple of hours before the game in Cardiff, they've just had to deal with it. And this is the first of all we're going to see from a Lions starting centre in Robbie Henshaw, who's likely to play at 13 if Gary Ringrose's calf issue continues into next week. Uh, we were kind of pondering last night with Jerry and Andy, would Bundyaki go into that 13 position if Henshaw's not ready? But he seems to be back training now a bit longer than just the open training session here, so he should be in contention uh, for next week. So it's going to be reshuffled a little bit. I wonder what I hear Paul O'Connell say there as well who's going to stand in and pretend to be Finn Russell in training I'm not it sure it sounds like a fun job like though that. doesn't it it's a fun job let's play fast and loose yeah <laughs> which is probably, probably not the best uh, it is that thing where oh will you pretend to be him because you're not going to be able to be yourself unfortunately in this yeah, game yeah so start giving other players the eye start you know kicking around a little bit randomly be joy joy yeah. be Finn yeah. a little bit more Finn in your life maybe John Giles was and is one of the greatest ever. In today's market, he'd be 100 million plus, says Shane, driving easily. through the ring of yeah. Perry. If Declan Rice is 100 million, John Giles will be easily 100 million at his peak. Uh, Giles and Bremner would have to go for the same price, obviously. Yes. I presume they'd go the package, like the DeBoer brothers. Much <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> one goes, the other goes. Yeah. Didn't Graham Hunter talk about Giles being the best example of someone standing up for themselves on a football pitch? That's a nice way to put it. The whole oh, league was afraid yeah. of him. Yeah, well, I think if you uh, you don't have to spend very long on YouTube to find some of that footage. And of course, uh, the night of his 80th birthday when we got Kevin Keegan on, he did greet him with the, mm. how's the jaw, Kevin? <laughs> Saints probably still. That was a solid lumpy game. It was. Well, it was. That uh, was a, a proper laid him out. I was chatting to John earlier while you were late coming back in from chatting to Stephen Kenny, which we'll hear about in a few minutes. But... John actually made the point that he stood up to Bobby Charlton pretty much in one of his first games playing for Manchester United as well. That Bobby Charlton kept on coming into the inside right position where John was meant to be. And even though Bobby Charlton was already an established player, one of the main players in the team, so he had no problem telling him to move out of the way. How long more did John last at Manchester United? Yeah, good point. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned Stephen Kenny. I was uh, out in Castleknock earlier today for a lengthy enough conversation with him. Uh, he's just sort of reacquainting himself with the world again. He hasn't when he spoke in the media at all I think since the friendlies uh, against Malta and against Norway he's been at the World right. Cup since then and obviously since then Evan Ferguson has emerged as the second coming of Irish football uh, but he has been working away uh, behind the scenes yeah. on 
some Irish qualified players. And this is an interesting one, Richie. Mikey Johnston, who was a player I think would be very familiar to Celtic supporters. Yeah, it looks like it. Uh, the Republic of Ireland manager, Stephen Kenny, has confirmed that he's looking to add Mikey Johnston to his squad. The Glasgow-born winger is currently on loan to Vittoria Guimaraes from Celtic and qualifies for Ireland through Derry-born grandparents. Johnston has made 20 appearances in all competitions this season in Portugal, scoring three and providing just as many assists. While the FAI are awaiting the requisite paperwork to allow him to feature against Latvia and France next month, Kenny says he expects Johnston to be an important player for Ireland going forward. How, how many Microsoft updates do you need, Richie? That, that's not me, surely. I'm not on Microsoft, you see. That I think that's you. you, William. I'm on a Mac here. No, not me. Outrageous. Somebody, yeah. something horrible is going on within the system anyway. Do you know what it is? It's, o- it's over the other side of the glass, I bet you, because I'm on the Zoom. Uh, as opposed to the Skypes. 53106 is the text number. I don't remember a huge amount of Mikey Johnson when he was at Celtic. Stephen Kenny was making the point, you know, he sort of had four good seasons of been in and out and playing first team football and then probably just stalled when he change played of manager. The, played in the Brendan Rodgers team, didn't he? That was mm. my abiding memory. And I remember there was talk at the time about him declaring for Ireland. And then he got injured but played for the Scotland 21s and it seemed that it was over from an Irish perspective. And that was the biggest surprise when Dan McDonald broke this news a couple of nights ago. So the squad's due to be announced in the next week or so, and we'll hear more. As I said, Stephen Kenny is coming up, wouldn't confirm or deny whether Evan Ferguson would start, but I could tell by staring deep into his eyes that he will. <laughs> he will. He has to, isn't he? It was an awkward standoff as I'm like, yeah. one blink if he's going to start. Tell you what, though, it's, it's a scary proposition to realise that the best player in your international side is 22, 23 years younger than you. Whatever about them being the same age. <laughs> than you. Younger anymore. <laughs> yeah, me, me specifically. It dawned on me the other day, I was like, every person 18, I was like, yeah. 20, 22 years. It's yeah. the born in 2004. So I can't remember what I was doing that day. Oh, yeah. I, I, I distinctly remember where I was standing for various matches during year 2004. Uh, so yeah, Jesus. Similar so, when Ron Lino's young lad signed for Barcelona earlier today and you're just going, he's 18? Oh no. Time is cut it's up. Over. Yeah. Uh, so Stephen Kenny coming up in around 15 minutes uh, less even. Uh, you will hear from Stephen Kenny. And Dennis on. Uh, Orgy Snyman is back. He is, yeah. Definitely this time. Munster will uh, have the long-awaited mon- return of Orgy Snyman off the bench tomorrow night. 17 months after he ruptured his ACL for a second time, the lock has been included among the replacements for Munster's URC meeting with the Scarlets. Dermot Barron, Patrick Campbell and Calvin Nash all come into the team that trends the Ospreys last week. Simon Zebo and Niall Scannell among those missing out. Uh, Munster have confirmed also today that Chris Farrell has left the province with immediate effect. The former Ireland centre took a step back from playing duties in September. He was tending to legal obligations in France where he'd been an alleged witness to an alleged rape involving former Grenoble teammates. In December, a French court charged Farrell with failure to prevent a crime. Munster say Farrell will be pursuing a playing opportunity away from the province. Lads, how's Richie's head for heights, considering bows are, oh. in brackets, deservedly so high yes. up the season, up, up the table? Sean, the Pat supporter, baby. greatly amused by Rovers having more red cards than points. Whatever, Sean. Over 7,200 tickets sold in Tala tomorrow night. Rovers yeah. against Derry, title decider yeah. already three games in. I like that you've you fully might, bought you in as Rovers defense. Yeah. And you might get a game in defence, Nathan. I will listen. If, they could, if their centre-halves could stop getting sent off. So they're going to be missing their three first-choice centre-halves tomorrow, yeah. which Great. is not ideal. Any word on whether Sean Horse fit? Uh, no, he's um, nursing an injury. Might so they're trying to get him back in. So I think they'll probably take a chance on him. They're, like, uh, they're even talking about Sean Gannon not being fully fit. 
So um, Stephen Bradley playing fast and loose with whoever is going to be. just trying to generate a bit of interest. Start slow, let Bowles have their moment. Get a few more. We're back to the door at Daily Mount. Potentially let We're Derry back. win on Monday and get a bit of a lead and have to pull them back in. Derry win tomorrow night. Oh, yeah. Tomorrow night, yeah. Tala. Derry Rovers. Kenny's going out to see them Monday. He's two two tickets bought for this week. He's at. Kenny's going out to see Shamrock Rovers on Monday? No, no, no. He's going to see, wants to see Derry on Monday against Derry. UCD. Okay. And he's, I think he's managed to get a ticket for Shells. He was talking about how difficult it was to get a ticket, but he's pulled one out of the bag. Kenny, I presume, isn't the type who would just text Duffer. No, he said he was on his oh, computer, literally trying to get ah, tickets. Come on, so. Kenny. Come on. Surely surely we can get a pass, a Kenny Cunningham pass. Honestly, surely his face get just for, gets him in. Is he trying to get tickets for Belfield? Yeah. Like, <laughs> nobody no, nobody no, in the world has ever tried was to gonna, get a ticket. I was going to say, with no insult, game. there was no problem getting a ticket for UCD. Okay. I think you just had to navigate the system to get his ticket. Uh, getting a Shells ticket was a little bit more difficult. Lads, I see there's some Scottish saltiness saltiness to the GOAT Andy Dunn saying Ireland would win handy at Murrayfield the country oh, that gone, thinks they're going to win the World us. Cup every four years despite being the drizzling excrement for 20 years thinks we're getting too arrogant good times wow yeah the Scots have lost it by the way uh, at Dunner just basically giving his opinion that's all he did just gave his opinion last night even Jerry Thorny beside him was I think it was more was, was it not so much the we're going to win by 15 points was it the they need to be put back in their box and no, going, I, th- I, th- I, th- I think I think people are misquoting him to a degree. I th- I think he said there's going to be a line in the sand. There you go, back in your box. As in, it's a kind of imagined Scotland think they're the coming force in the Six Nations. I don't think there's any arrogance actually going from Scotland whatsoever. No. But I think in terms of you think you're performing okay now, well, we'll show you. It's just a, it was a turn of phrase and. I think people who probably can't listen properly have gotten open arms about it. Give us the golf before you go. Uh, yeah, Arnold Palmer Invitational is ongoing. Seamus Parrish shot a level par round of 72. Uh, the joint lead there at Bay Hill, Cameron Young and Chris Kirk in the clubhouse on five under, following rounds of 67. Rory McIlroy level through five. Shane Lowry one over through five. And Padraig Harrington is two over. He has played eight holes of his opening round. We should note as well that Katie Taylor looks to have opened the door to a fight with Chantel Cameron. Uh, she wants to keep that May 20th date and Cameron is the uh, super lightweight champion, uh, undisputed as such as well, following her victories uh, recently in the past uh, 12 months over the likes of Jessica McCaskill and Victoria Bustos. She's calling out Eddie Hearn. She, well, it reads as if, if you're reading the tweet, it has the smack of, given the tags and given the fact that it's a photo of herself, hey Katie. Doesn't really feel like something Katie something would do. Like, yeah. Let me just stick up no. a photo of myself there looking good. Yeah, yeah. This is very much the social media team have, have gotten on board with this one making sure the right tags are in there and the right photo. So, yeah, this, this looks like it's going to happen. Perfect scenario for Hearn as well. You want me to do this? I've delivered. Once right. I get Chantal Cameron in. Richie, thank you as always. Nice and lads. Will, we shall talk a bit later on in the show. The News Round on Off The Ball with Gillette. Start your day in flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with Exfoliating Bar. This is News Talk.